Fired Up show starts right now. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve, your host, and we've got a uh, interesting, that's the word I'll use, show for you this week. Um, gonna, as always, start off with our COVID numbers. Here in the U.S., we have uh, 88.6 million cases that have been reported since the outbreak of the pandemic. Uh, 1,022,000 people have died from the disease, and 594 million people uh, have been vaccinated either with one dose or two doses. So we continue uh, to fight the battle. Uh, there's news out from the scientific and medical community about another variant that is starting to be seen here in this country. Uh, it is the BA5 variant. Uh, still a little too early to get a sense of uh, its level of infection rate and hospitalization rate and so forth, but it is something that we will be keeping our eye on for you. So with that being said, uh, let's get right into the show. Uh, we're going to start off um, with some concerning news, something that has uh, me very concerned. And uh, basically, you know, it, with what we've seen coming from the Supreme Court uh, in its final uh, couple of weeks of the current session or the session that just concluded, uh, we have now got some indication of uh, one possible future that we may see. So as I mentioned, uh, it is something that is giving me uh, reason for concern. Uh, what I see, and, and again, my opinion, uh, we are witnessing in, in some regards the deconstruction of America as we know it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, if we look at the decision from the Supreme Court uh, on Roe versus Wade and the Casey cases, and also we look at the decision that preceded that and the day before that decision came down, which basically removed the requirements for law enforcement to provide Miranda right uh, information to people who uh, are being questioned uh, and removes the possibility of uh, legal actions by defendants if they believe that they were not properly or fully Mirandized. Uh, we're starting to see some, some points that are pointing to a line where many basic um, rights that we consider that we have are in jeopardy. Uh, the court has already come out and said they are going to look at such things as uh, the, avail the availability of contraceptions and uh, drugs that can you know, interfere with a pregnancy taking place, you know, so-called Plan B uh, drugs, etc. And it, it's clear that there are some other items that are in the pipeline that we should be very concerned about. Uh, for example, I will uh, start in my favorite state to, uh, to beat up on because they just keep giving me more and more ammunition, and that would be the state of Texas. So just this past weekend, 
an article was posted on the Business Insider website uh, about a threatening letter that the Texas GOP sent to a law firm that planned to reimburse travel costs for employees seeking an abortion. Uh, and I'll go through the, the points on the letter and, or the points in the article and then we'll talk about the letter itself. Uh, the article says, the Texas Freedom Caucus, a legislative caucus in the Texas House of Representatives, sent a threatening letter to a law firm with locations in Dallas and Houston that planned to reimburse travel costs for employees wanting an abortion. In the letter, which was addressed to Sidley, Sid, I'm sorry, Sidley Austin LLP, the 11 representatives of the caucus wrote that legislation will be introduced to impose civil and criminal sanctions on law firms that pay for abortion or abortion travel. Uh, and quote uh, from the letter, uh, we are writing to inform you of the consequences that you and your colleagues will face for these actions, it said. The proposed legislation will prohibit any employer in the state from paying for elective abortions or reimbursing abortion-related costs regardless of where the abortion occurs. According to these lawmakers, private citizens will be allowed to sue anyone who pays for an elective abortion performed on a Texas resident. Uh, and you know, it goes on to discuss some actions that the state bar of Texas will disbar any lawyer who has violated any abortion statutes. Uh, you know, so it, this is a, a bellwether for what potentially could become a host of similar approaches for things that the uh, conservative right, uh, the Republican Party, the MAGA group, whoever you want to call them, are uh, looking at with regard to uh, what they can do to restrict the, the liberties and impact the uh, abilities of certain segments of the population to exercise their rights and freedoms. Um, it is very, very, very concerning from several different standpoints. So in this example, you know, we're talking about abortion, but you could substitute words like critical race theory or uh, supporting of various protest groups or LGBTQ rights. You could place any of those descriptors into this article and into the letter, and basically you see where, in, in Texas, for starters, where the Republican Party is aiming. Uh, they are looking at exercising whatever restrictions they feel are necessary in order to curtail uh, activities and freedoms uh, that we currently have that they disagree with. Uh, let me go to uh, the letter that they sent, and I will post a link to this letter uh, on the Facebook page uh, with the announcement about this show. Uh, and the letter was written on July 7th. It comes from the Texas Freedom Caucus, which is located in Austin, Texas. Uh, you can actually see a copy of the letter at their website, uh, www.freedom.com. ForTexas.com. Uh, the letter is addressed to the chair of the management committee for Sidley Austin LLP legal firm, 
and it, it starts out as, it has come to our attention that Sidley Austin has decided to reimburse the travel costs of employees who leave Texas to murder their unborn children. It also appears that Sidley has been complicit in illegal abortions that were performed in Texas before and after the Supreme Court's ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. We are writing to inform you of the consequences, consequences excuse me, that you and your colleagues will face for these actions. Uh, it goes on to talk about you know, the crime of abortion, how it is a felony, uh, the history of the decisions uh, up to and including the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Um, so they're also mentioning that they have four points that they are looking at uh, imposing uh, under additional civil and criminal sanctions on law firms that pay for abortions or abortion travel. So uh, the first one, uh, it will prohibit any employer in Texas from paying for elective abortions or reimbursing abortion-related expenses, regardless of where the abortion occurs and regardless of the law in the jurisdiction where the abortion occurs. Second, it will allow private citizens to sue anyone who pays for an elective abortion performed on a Texas resident or who pays for or reimburses the costs associated with those abortions, uh, similar to what they, what they passed in their uh, gun legislation. Third, it will require the State Bar of Texas to disbar any lawyer who has violated uh, Article 4512.2, which is the law uh, that, that governs uh, this action, furnishing the means for procuring an abortion, knowing the purpose intended, and uh, fourth, the legislation will introduce next session, will empower district attorneys from throughout the state to prosecute abortion-related crimes, including violations of Article 4512.2 of the revised civil, civil statutes. Uh, when the local district attorney fails or refuses to do so, it will also eliminate the three-year statute of limitations that currently applies to the violation of the article. Uh, so, you know, it, it then goes on to talk about uh, activities that the law firm has done in the past that uh, in include violations of the now-named Texas Heartbeat Act, uh, including, um, you know, so-called chemical abortions, etc. So. You know, as I said, I will publish the letter or you can find it at their website, www.freedomfortexas.com. Uh, I, I encourage uh, you to uh, take a look at it and read it in detail. Uh, it is uh, a, a, a scary proposition, but it is one that doesn't necessarily end with uh, the approach on the, the process and, and consequences of abortion. As I said, uh, they could be uh, looking at, you know, LGBTQ rights, uh, same-sex marriage, all of the things that have been talked about in the news that are under consideration by the Supreme Court. So, you know, what, what does this mean? Well, back early on in this show, I did a show where I talked about uh, strategy and tactics. Uh, strategy is the planning of an action or a series of actions 
and tactics is the process of taking that planning and and making it real making it happen so over the course of you know the last 60 years or more the republican party has been exercising a strategy called the southern strategy whereby they work to control as many state legislatures uh, and uh, you know down ballot uh, elections as they could well they have gotten to the point now where that has worked its way all the way up to having a conservative majority on the supreme court and what that means is that we will start to see and and you can mark my words here uh, it's already begun in in several states we will start to see these controversial cases brought up these controversial uh, legislative bills put forward fully intending by the authors and by the states that they are going to be challenged in court and that those court battles are going to travel all the way up the chain through the appellate court, through the district courts, and arrive at the Supreme Court, where if heard, uh, it is likely, again, given majority on the Supreme Court, that uh, the, the Supreme Court would rule in their favor and thus cement that uh, intention into national law. You know, it, it's already been proposed and it is being proposed that you know, should the Republicans gain control of the House and Senate in the coming midterms, one of the things that they are you know, hell-bent for leather on doing is implementing a national ban on abortion. Irregardless of what the states say, it will be federally banned in all 50 states and territories. So the, the handwriting is on the wall. What we see is, as I said, a deconstruction of many of the basic privacy rights and uh, civil liberties that we have enjoyed, you know, for you know more than you know more than 50 years, more like 100 years. Uh, we're talking about one platform in the Texas Republican Party's uh, political campaigns for this year calls for the repeal of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, that essentially gave uh, blacks and other minorities access to the voting box at, uh, protected under federal law you know they could also be looking at repealing uh, such groundbreaking laws as brown versus board of education that has been mentioned uh, uh, obviously as i said they are looking at lgbtq issues uh, they may even go so far as to uh, reaffirm uh, the definitions at, at a national level of what marriage is uh, and you know possibly uh, Clarence Thomas notwithstanding uh, eliminate um, you know interracial marriage uh, there there could potentially be no end to the the destruction that this approach and relying on the fact that they have you know, a, a majority on the Supreme Court as a backstop for their legislation uh, should give everybody a great deal of pause and in, in, uh, call for some serious rethinking of, you know, our political support, our uh, political leadership, and how we want to address that. And it's something we've talked about on this show since day one, that you need to be, you know, keeping an eye and an ear on what your 
legislators uh, from the federal level all the way down to the local level. What are they talking about? What are the things that they are considering? Uh, because right now, uh, again, with the Supreme Court, quote, on their side, close quote, for the most part, uh, they feel the sky is the limit and they are going to come for all of the things that uh, we take for granted right now. All right. So, you know, it, it is obviously our, our, the activism that we need to practice as we talk, as I say every week on this platform, uh, you need to practice activism and you need to make sure that you are educated, informed, and active uh, with your political leadership at all levels so that you are letting them know what you expect them to do. And you are ready to take you know, necessary action. In the coming shows, we're going to be talking about some of these strategies. Uh, just by the way, a preview. I want to, uh, to spend one of the shows and talk about um, alliances that uh, need to be formed between uh, those political entities out there that are not Republican or MAGA. And, you know, that's obviously Democrats. That's obviously libertarians, uh, independents, unaligned. Uh, we need to work at building coalitions that actually reflect the will of the people. Keep in mind, even now, 80% uh, of the American population still believes that there should be some access to abortions uh, provided, uh, you know, and, and particularly in the case of, you know, rape, incest, health, health of the mother, and, and other such factors where, you know, that, that is something that is absolutely necessary. You know, we spoke in the last podcast about the 10-year-old girl in Ohio who uh, was uh, impregnated and had to travel to uh, Indiana to get uh, needed medical services because she was three days past the six-week time frame uh, under Ohio law. And just as a side note, Ohio is looking at in, in their next legislative session about a total ban on abortion regard and no exceptions. So, you know, it, it's something to consider that even though the news has brought forward this one case of a 10 year old girl, we it, it's not an assumption. It, it's something we know that there are more uh, young girls, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, who have become pregnant uh, and, you know, now uh, face the, the possibility of having to carry a pregnancy that they are most likely not physically capable of carrying to full term, uh, you know, to term because the, the access to necessary services uh, is prohibited under law. Uh, and, you know, that is something that should give, you know, all parents pause, especially uh, if you're like myself, you're the parents of daughters or you have, you know, young granddaughters, etc. So, you know, that is something to be concerned about. And I go back to the aspect of we're starting to see how these laws are proliferating around the country. So the, the Texas private citizen posse lawsuit squads 
is now becoming a thing in other states as well. Um, and, and one of the reasons for that that I, I came across, and it's also going to be the subject of an upcoming uh, podcast, is there are entities out there whose job it is to research laws, research the Constitution and all of the, the laws out there on these um, hot button topics. And what they do is they write uh, draft legislation uh, that they then pass along to uh, state and local uh, political parties and you know, all the way up to the federal level, uh, which basically become you know, boilerplate legislation for these uh, opinions um, around the country. This has been something that's been going on for a very long time, um, but it is now something that is uh, going to move into in a fueled by steroids mode uh, as we now, as I said, uh, understand the Republicans are, are working where they have the Supreme Court as a backstop where it, it's no longer a gamble if a case makes it to the Supreme Court on whether or not it will it will hold up, but it is much more of a a near certainty that they will receive a decision uh, favorable to their position. So, you know, what do we do about this? Well, number one, we have a midterm election coming up. We need to make sure that we are uh, having conversations with our families, with our circles of friends with everyone to make sure that they are going to register that they if they are registered that they are going to verify that their register their registration to vote is intact um, if not let's help them get registered uh, we are going to make sure that we are having discussions around the issues with our friends our family our circles and um, you know find out and inform them of what the consequences are. Um, keep in mind, you know, the, the abortion case speaks to it um, because it's the most recent, but, you know, just FYI, the majority of abortions performed in this country are not performed on people of color. They are actually performed on white women by a, a significant uh, percentage. So, you know, this is not just something that affects the communities of color, although it does to a, a great extent, but it also affects a lot more uh, people who live outside of communities of color as well. Um, so, you know, and, and, and the idea of the, a, a legislature going after a private law firm because of service they are providing uh, it, it is clear that case is going to end up in court. It is clear that it is probably going to make its way up the chain to the Supreme Court. What is not clear is where the, the current Supreme Court is going to come down on it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, it's too soon to tell. I'm not going to bet any money on it. But, you know, you have a sense of where things might fall. So, you know, there's one other point to make 
and, and something you're hearing in the discussions and you will continue to hear in a lot of the discussions uh, as we go through these contentious legal issues. Uh, you hear you know, people talking about freedom and you hear people talking about rights. Um, freedoms and rights are not the same thing, okay? For example, you know, there are things that um, define freedom, and freedom is defined as the absence of coercion or constraint in such that an individual can direct their own life. A right is an entitlement that a society owes an individual. And if you want to give, you know, some, some concepts to help you think about that, um, some of the common types of freedoms and rights that uh, we talk about and that are mentioned in the constitutions uh, of nations and states around the world. Uh, first, you know, freedom of speech versus, you know, and, and uh, integrity of the person, freedom from bondage, freedom of movement, freedom of religion, freedom of information, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, freedom of opportunity, freedom of art and economic freedom. And then, you know, as we look at uh, where we talk about rights, the right to human dignity, the right to liberty, the right to security, the right to privacy, the right to marry, property rights, the rights of the child, rights of the elderly, presumption of innocence, the right of defense, and rights against self-incrimination. And again, many of these have appeared in the, the news recently. The Miranda decision, of course, talks about the right against, uh, speaks to the right against self-incrimination, the presumption of innocence, uh, and, and so forth. So, you know, the, the idea that freedom and rights are interchangeable uh, is incorrect. Um, you have the freedom to marry and found a family. Uh, you have a right to register your marriage and have it recognized by the state. Uh, you have the freedom to choose your own career. You have a right to an education uh, through, you know, through 12th grade. Uh, you have the freedom to start a business. You have property rights that allow you to keep the fruits of your labor and so forth. The freedom to say what you think and a right to free speech. Those two are often uh, conflated together. Yes, you have a freedom to say what you think, uh, and that, that free speech is protected by your First Amendment right to do so. Okay, so, you know, we need to make sure that we understand, you know, what freedoms are, what rights are, and what the differences are. Uh, that is going to play an important role as we look at how uh, our, our uh, legal and social and you know, institutional systems bear out in the coming months and years as we go through you know, what, what we have created here. Um, you know, and as I said, it, it's concerning. The, the justices on the bench uh, for the most part, on the conservative majority, are going to be there for a while. Um, and, you know, even though we have 
welcomed uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson to the court uh, on the the liberal side of the Supreme Court. Uh, she is one of three members of that panel. So while, as I said last week uh, in my welcome, um, while we hope that she is going to be able to bring uh, a, a voice and a different perspective to the discussions, uh, the, the end result is probably not going to be a dramatic shift in the position of the court. And we need to understand that. We need to be prepared for that. We need to have a strategy in place for that. So we will we'll pick uh, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Uh, you're listening to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading. I do appreciate it. We'll be right back after the break. We're often influenced by what we see and hear online. Researchers say black communities have been specifically targeted online by bad actors that post false information about cultural issues, attempting to increase divisions in black communities, influence how we vote, and influence public opinions. Here's how to stop the spread of cultural disinformation. Get information from reliable sources like experts, researchers, or organizations. Make sure you're not misled by information or quotes shared out of context. Check the account. Was it recently created or has zero followers? It may be a troll bot. If a story seems suspicious, don't share it with your followers. Together, we can stay informed and empowered. This public service announcement is from the National Black Cultural Information Trust. Learn more at NBCIT.org. All right, and we're back. Uh, Let's continue the uh, action steps uh, with a couple of more that we need to be taking. And these fall in line with with things that we've been discussing on this show for forever. Um, So with regard to voting, the action steps are, are really very straightforward. Step number one is make sure that you are registered to vote in your state and that your registration is current and active uh, and plan on checking on it uh, several times between now and any upcoming elections uh, that are going to be happening where you live. Uh, Related to that, uh, have conversations with your friends, your family, uh, with young people who are of voting age or who will be by the time that the next election cycles come around to your area and encourage them to register to vote. Uh, Have discussions with, you know, with young people in particular, but with your friends and family about where they stand on the current situations with both electoral politics and, you know, the the issues of the day, you know, some of which I've talked about in this uh, show and in prior shows. Uh, have those conversations. Uh, find out where they stand, uh, particularly if you have friends who happen to be Republican. Not all Republicans are the MAGA hat wearing, uh, you know, ultra conservative uh, people that we hear about in the news every day. Uh, many of them are you know, reasonable, uh, understanding people uh, who. You know, just happen to be Republican for, you know, for their reasons. 
um, you know, talk with them and find out, you know, what they are doing to let their voices be heard with their elected officials. Uh, if, if they are not in communication with their Republican elected leaders, encourage them to, you know, to get in touch, to let them know their positions, to encourage those elected officials to, you know, it's cliche, but to do the right thing, to, you know, not let the, the fear of, you know, what is going on in terms of MAGA world and, and, you know, the former president's circle and all of that stuff influence them on making sure that their wishes are being carried out by their elected officials as well. Uh, also, you know, have the same conversations with friends if they happen to be, you know, independent or libertarian or unaffiliated. Find out where they stand. Uh, talk to them about the possibility of coalitioning together uh, an, in opposition to the conservative elements that are looking to you know, deconstruct our, our rights and our liberties, as we've talked about in this show. So there, there's a lot of things that you, know, you as an individual can do, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, we'll be talking more about that as we go on heading toward the midterms, but just wanted to take that second to kind of give you my own PSA on, on uh, things we can do uh, on both sides of the aisle to make sure that our voices are truly being heard. All right. Um, another story that came across my radar uh, is one that comes out of another of my favorite states, Georgia. And I'm, I'm not dogging you, Georgia. It's just you guys seem to throw up the shade on a regular basis, or particularly your Republican leadership does. Um, in, in this one, uh, an article came out of Axios on uh, the 9th of July, uh, or the, the day before I recorded this show, and they are demanding that a university take action on a website that is identifying pregnancy centers. And uh, Representatives Andrew Clyde, who's a Republican, and Jody Heiss, who's also Republican, on Friday sent a letter to the head of the University of Georgia urging him to ensure that the university's resources will not be used to target crisis pregnancy centers. Well, let me, let me step out and define what that is because it may not be what you think it means. Uh, a crisis pregnancy centers are organizations that look like abortion clinics but aim to persuade pregnant people from having the procedure. So basically, uh, you know, it, it looks like a, a center where abortion services are provided, but it is actually a uh, anti-abortion uh, location where uh, the, the individual is uh, bombarded with uh, reasons and, and discussion on why they should not have an abortion. Uh, so the, the letter came out after Fox News published a, a story saying that, quote, far left radicals had been using a map created by the University of Georgia professors in 2018 containing the addresses of crisis, crisis pregnancy centers across the country. Following the article being published, university students were told to be more aware of their surroundings, according to the university's student-run newspaper. 
Some UGA staff members received threatening calls and emails due to the article. Dean Marsha Davis of the University of Georgia's College of Public Health said in an email, according to the student newspaper, what they're saying is, quote, while this academic project may seem to be rooted in innocence, providing the collated address data of these crisis pregnancy centers makes it unquestionably ripe for abuse. It is disappointing that the state's flagship university is allowing taxpayer-funded resources to provide this sensitive information to extremist organizations that are actively targeting crisis pregnancy centers, Clyde said in a statement. Uh, further stating, quote, the unhinged left will stop at nothing to eradicate anything or anyone who opposes their radical pro-abortion agenda. And unfortunately, the University of Georgia's resources are being used by radical organizations to identify their next targets. The professor's project is reckless and irresponsible. The university must take swift action to cut all ties with it, said Heiss. So, you know, again, as I talked about strategy and tactics, so another example of the tactics of, you know, uh, identifying these these entities that are against their positions, doxing them, and uh, you know putting their information out on blast, so that uh, it, it becomes a, a target for you know whatever kind of follow up action may be taken by the supporters of the anti-abortion uh, movement. So, you know, we will see what becomes of this and what the University of Georgia does. Uh, as soon as I see follow-up information on this story, I will bring it forward. But, you know, again, it just goes into what I've been talking about in terms of the process and the tactics being used to uh, thwart the efforts of progressive and liberal uh, leaders in dealing with this erosion of many of our basic freedoms that we have enjoyed for so long. And more importantly, of, of the tactics that are being used to, to do this. What we're seeing, is, as we'll see in a second, is that slowly, piece by piece, little bits of things that uh, we have always, or for a long time, have assumed to be you know, normal things that we can do um, are being, you know, taken back and made illegal. And a case in point in that is a uh, bill that just came out in Arizona that punishes bystanders who record the police uh, from closer than eight feet away. Now, for those of you that remember uh, when the recordings were made of the uh, killing of uh, uh, George Floyd, uh, the cell phone camera footage was taken from roughly about six feet. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the photos of many of the interactions between people of color and police uh, have been taken at very close range. Well, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey signed a bill on Wednesday that will make it illegal to record law enforcement at close range. Uh, Arizona House Bill 2319 
states that anyone recording police within eight feet of law enforcement activity could be subject to a misdemeanor charge if bystanders continue to record after receiving a verbal warning from officers. Now, you know, what is, what is so important about that, you might say? Well, simply put, under the laws in this country, uh, if you're standing on a public sidewalk or a public street, uh, you can photograph or take video of whatever you want uh, with you know, no repercussions. You are free to observe and photograph and document uh, whatever you can see as long as you are standing on public property. Now, granted, and, and parts of this, uh, this law do make sense if you know, there is a, a, a law enforcement involvement that is uh, harmful or dangerous, uh, you obviously don't want to be within, you know, two or three feet of that. Uh, not only could you be uh, probable to interfere with the officers as they are trying to do their duty, uh, you yourself might also uh, be injured. Um, the, the laws passed in Arizona does come with a few exceptions. Any individuals that are directly interacting with police or in an enclosed structure on private property would be allowed under law to film police within eight feet. Also, occupants of a vehicle stopped by police can record officers involved in the traffic stop as long as it doesn't interfere with police actions. So, you know, if, if you are in your car and the police pull you over, you can record your interaction with the police as long as that process of recording doesn't interfere with what they need to do from a law enforcement perspective, you know, getting you to get your registration and driver's license or, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so you are, they, they cannot restrict you from recording them uh, if, you know, if you are not interfering with their actions. Um, the original bill, which was passed in the Arizona House in February, initially prohibited anyone from recording police within 15 feet of law enforcement activity, but was also amended amid concerns it would be unconstitutional. Allowing people in vehicles stopped by police to record their interactions was also amended into the bill before it passed the House. You know, and you know, so e even with the amendments, some experts are still concerned, according to the article, that the law could be violating people's First Amendment rights which protect freedom of speech, the press, the uh, assembly, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Um, ACLU Civil Communications uh, Director Marcella Tarasena stressed the importance of bystanders having the right to film the police. Uh, and she's quoted as saying, as several federal courts have affirmed, people have the First Amendment right to record police officers while they carry out their duties and the ability to record police interactions has become an important tool to ensure police accountability and transparency. Several Arizona media outlets have also opposed the bill in a letter from the National Press Photographers Association. The letter said the bill violated free speech and press clauses of the First Amendment as well as the clearly established right to photograph and record police officers performing their official duties in a public place. 
So, you know, and, and of course, when we take into account, as the article states, the camera phone has become one of the most important tools in exposing police brutality and misconduct. Sometimes it's the only thing that seems to lead to any form of justice. And it cites, without it, George Floyd's killer might still be in uniform instead of in a prison cell. So, you know, the, the argument is there that, you know, as, as irksome as the police may find the, you know, number of, you know, cell phone cameras recording what they do, uh, we have a right to, to film and document police activities uh, with the caveat that we cannot interfere with those activities. Um, that is, you can't put the camera up into the uh, alleged um, perpetrator's face or the officer's face and, and record them. But, you know, if, if you're standing a reasonable distance, yes, you can. You, you have the, the right and the ability to record police officers doing their job. In a related article, uh, State Representative John Kavanaugh, who uh, originally, uh, the original author of the bill and originally prohibited recording within 15 feet, uh, amended it to eight feet, uh, writing in an editorial that he listened to critics. Um, he's quoted as saying, I can think of no reason why any responsible person would need to come closer than eight feet to a police officer engaged in a hostile or potentially hostile encounter. Uh, such an approach is unreasonable, unnecessary, and unsafe, and should be made illegal. He said he sponsored the bill because of groups in Tucson that record officers as close as one or two feet, getting, quote, dangerously close to potential, potentially violent encounters, close quote. Um, the national, as I said, the National Press Photographers Association came out against the law, uh, writing in a letter uh, over their concern that it, the legislation violates not only the free speech and press clauses of the First Amendment, but also runs counter to the clearly established right to photograph and record police officers performing their official duties in a public place. And finally, uh, an organization called Good and Common, an online civil rights resource website, says that staying a safe distance while filming police is always a good rule of thumb. The site also encourages those filming police to announce their intention to take out their phone so officers don't mistake them reaching for a weapon and not to interfere with police activity or break any laws. And they're quoted as, as long as you are documenting things that are plainly visible in public places, the police cannot ask you to stop, the site reads. Police cannot demand to view your photos or video without a warrant or delete your data under any circumstances, even if you are placed under arrest. Uh, you know, and, you know, bystanders, the, the article concludes, Bystanders with smartphones have documented police misconduct in recent years that might have otherwise gone unnoticed, including the most notably uh, Darnella Fa Frazier, the then 17-year-old who filmed the murder of George Floyd. Some states have responded by requiring officers to wear cameras of their own, uh, hence the body cam uh, rules that have uh, been promulgated around the country.
At least seven states, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, and Maryland, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Carolina, now require police to wear body cameras, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. And of those states, only South Carolina mandated body cameras before Floyd's death. So, you know, video documenting of, of what goes on out there and the interactions between police and the public are becoming much more of a common thing. Uh, it, it's almost uh, hard to believe when you look back at, you know, the, the Rodney King beating and realize that that was probably the video moment that started all of this way back when, uh, I believe it was in the 1990s. So, you know, it, it is clear that, you know, this is something that is an ongoing uh, issue. Uh, there will likely be discussion. Uh, and as I said, there will probably be, you know, some legal case somewhere that that gets posted about it. Um, so, you know, in 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 wrapping up, we've covered a lot of ground in this episode. And I just wanted to kind of sum up a little bit by saying we're in uh, something akin to five months out from the midterm elections. If you have not done so already, you know, the call to action is make sure to verify your voter registration status uh, ASAP and verify it again, um, you know, prior to uh, going to the polls. I'd say you probably want to check it sometime around the middle of October so that if you need to do some additional work to to restore it or recover it, you have time to do so. Uh, the other thing, as I said, is uh, let's make sure we're engaging in conversations with those around us. Um, you know, politics uh, is a, a tricky subject. Uh, many people, you know, kind of roll their eyes and, and will, will sidle away from you if you start talking about politics. But if, if you're engaging and asking about, you know, their beliefs and their opinions and you're not... Um, to use to use another type of term proselytizing uh, about your political party of choice but rather having a a reasonable conversation about the issues of the day uh, find out you know engage with them find out where they stand and also you know as as we frequently all the time say on this show reach out to your elected officials from the local level all the way up to the federal level Find out where they stand on the issues that are important to you. Make sure that they understand that, you know, you are watching them, that you are holding them accountable. And, you know, uh, again, in, in coalition with the people in your circle and the people in your groups and organizations, let them know that if they are not doing the, the wishes of the people, that is us, uh, that, you know, there is recourse for that and it's called voting and that you know we will in fact be looking at who we need to vote out of office because they are not doing what we want they are doing what you know other entities want whether it's lobbyists or big money donors or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you know it, it, it is an interactive sport this this game of elections and politics and if you're going to count You've got to be in that game. So make sure that, you know, you're doing what you can. Make sure you're having the conversations that you can. 
And, you know, let's let's make sure that we understand what the issues are and where our elected officials stand on them. And if we need to communicate with them on a weekly basis, let's make sure we're doing that. All right. So as always, we've got to practice our activism uh, more so than ever now in the current climate that we find ourselves. So let's let's all pledge to do what we can to communicate, to educate, to find the sources of information that we believe in, and then go look in other places. Verify what you read. Don't just get your information from one source. I say this all the time on this show. Uh, You need to be listening to the right, the left, the center, the up and the down, because the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for this episode. As always, I thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions, please send an email to the show at fireupradio at yahoo.com or interact with our Facebook page and let's start a dialogue uh, and and address your concerns and your issues. I'd love to to hear what you think. So uh, again, that email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com or you can uh, find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash firedupradio. Until next time, thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Remember, there's a new variant of uh, COVID that's creeping around out there. So let's do what we need to do. Uh, And I look forward to sending another podcast your way in seven days. Stay safe, people. Take care. (laughs)